The Crotchety Old Man Podcast is not a registered investment, legal, or tax advisor, or a broker-dealer. All investment financial opinions expressed by or on the Crotchety Old Man Podcast are from the personal research and experience of the owner of the site and are intended as educational material. Although best efforts are made to ensure that all information is accurate and up-to-date, occasionally unintended errors and misprints may occur. Before you invest or make any investment-based decisions, consider your own personal circumstances. You should do your own research and seek advice from a financial professional. Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's Gary Smith here with the Crotchety Old Men Podcast for another episode here. Joining me in the studio today is my good man, George Crumley. George Crumley, um, before I go any further, I guess I should tell people what I what I do, right? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? Right. Well, I'm Gary Smith, as I said. I'm a retired commercial investment advisor and uh, enjoying life as a retiree. George, you can tell them about yourself. Thanks, Gary. It's a great day. And um, like I said, anytime I can get up and share some information, it's always worthwhile. I I am retired as well. Um, investor, real estate, um, big component of saving and um, preparing for the future. And really uh, important that uh, we pass this wisdom on over to those that are willing to listen you know i think because like i said before you know this information does us no good because we've kind of lived through this this part of our lives and we're at a at a point we're just enjoying life so it's important that we can pass on so you know hence our topic for today you know life insurance we're gonna talk a little bit about life insurance life insurance kind of gets uh mixed up uh some people think it's an investment some people think it's you know something necessary some people think it's not necessary so i thought we kind of talk about some myths of life insurance since that's something that you uh actually sold in uh, your previous uh lifetimes you have so you have that skill set of life insurance so let's uh let's dig into it what do you think oh absolutely i think it couldn't be a better topic george um to your point there's so many misinformation misnomers about life insurance that um let's see if we can clear that up today hopefully uh, let's talk about, first of all, what is life insurance and uh, <clears throat> life insurance, uh, having sold it for a number of years, it's what the is the foundation. You know, it's like the insurance. You, you if you got a goose that lays golden eggs. What do you insure the goose or the golden eggs? Well, obviously, you insure the goose because that's what's making the golden eggs. Well, <clears throat> insurance operates somewhat of the same way. You hear a lot of people say, well, it's a gamble with the insurance company that you're going to live to a certain age and they're betting that you're going to die. Well, that's true. <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. Uh, but depending upon certain stages of life that you're in, um, there's also certain stages of life insurance. Uh, there's one which most of us are familiar with, term insurance. Term insurance means just that. It's temporary. Um, we're most uh, common or familiar with term insurance uh, on our jobs. You know, usually a job, you go to work for somebody, they'll give you X amount of dollars sometimes it's equal your salary or a flat rate of ten thousand dollars what have you well depending upon your age that's a great uh, situation especially kids starting out i mean you know getting your job because you got your term insurance if you're a young family and uh, sometimes money is tight particularly if you're adding kids and stuff to that equation and so but if you're the major breadwinner it behooves you to have some insurance okay because you're that goose that's producing the golden egg right so 
it works for that. You know, again, it's temporary until such time that you either make more income or you reduce expenses where that you're able to afford more insurance uh, or start converting that to what we call next is whole life. And whole life insurance means just what it says, too. It lasts you the whole of your life, your entire life. So whereas temp term insurance is temporary, and it tends to be less expensive early on in age. Um, it's like renting the insurance. You're renting it, but it's just like rents go today. As time goes on, those rent payments go up. Whereas with whole life insurance, uh, it lasts you your whole of your life. Uh, more importantly, you have what's called a fixed uh, premium, a fixed amount of premium that you pay every month or every year, every quarter, however you choose to pay it. But one thing's for sure is that you can budget this type of insurance in your budget. You know exactly how much your insurance is going to cost you, whether you get it at age 25 or you're now age 85. It's not going to change. And then other insurance, what I like to look at is somewhat of an investment uh, type of insurance, George, is what's known as variable life. Or you hear some people now that you have so many hybrids of that, you have universal life or variable universal life. Typically, they mean somewhat of the same thing. Uh, they got a, it's like a hybrid. You have a portion of it is like term insurance. Uh, the insurance has a minimum, but it can go up and it can come down, but not below a certain minimum. And then the other part of this uh, uh, insurance has what I call an investment portion to it. And whereas that you can invest in a portion of your funds or premium into a mutual fund. And where that way it gives you access to some stocks, bonds, stuff like that. So there we have it, the three types of insurances, term, whole life, variable life, or some hybrid of variable universal life. Great. Let's kind of dissect them a little bit. Um, let's start talking about term first. You know, one of the uh, slogans is uh, uh, buy term and invest the difference. You know, that's one that you hear a lot about uh, understanding that um, term, like you say, is just that it's temporary insurance. And one of the things that you want to make sure, even if it's through your job, is especially if it's through your job, is is it portable? Meaning that if you lose that job or quit that job, can you take it with you? The other thing you want to keep in mind with um, term insurance is the fact that it's for a certain term. It's usually like 30 years. So you have to understand that once you get to that age of 65, 75, that insurance may expire. So that means all the pr premiums you put into it are no longer there's no there's no cash value so that goes away plus you have to take into consideration is are you insurable you uh, because at that age you know we you you're older you've had different types of ailments because obviously nobody has perfect perfect health so there's a couple of things that you want to consider when you have term insurance is the fact that it it is for a certain term so let me ask you a question do you suggest if you have term that at some point you convert it to one of the other plans that you've talked about? Or is that oh, something that you just kind of let it live out the life and you just kind of go go as it is? No, um, certainly I would highly recommend that if you have term insurance, you pay particular attention to the uh, schedule. Term insurance uh, increases in premium typically every five years. There's a five-year ban on it. Um, case in point, I had a term insurance policy I pretty much had forgotten about because it's automatically deducted out of an account I had and had it for years. I got a notice a few months ago that uh, the insurance had expired because I had reached, no, it had to be last year. The insurance had expired because I reached age 70. Really? <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Wow. And so, and the premiums were about to go up, which I'm glad it did because they're going up in, uh, I think, 96 or 100 some odd dollars. Where that bad boy started, I don't know. It had to be started about maybe 15, 20 bucks. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. They make it almost prohibitive for you to keep it. They, they raise the premium so much. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes prohibitive. So surely had in my younger ages, I probably should have. Not probably. I should know I should have. I should have mm -hmm. gone on and converted that portion of insurance into some permanent insurance and been done with it. So to your point is that buying insurance, term insurance, investing the difference, that's a good theory, uh, ideology, but rarely does it work. Mm -hmm. uh, rarely do people invest the difference. And mm -hmm. when you do invest the difference, what are you investing it in? Mm -hmm. See, so there becomes right there some confusion. Now, if you are, if you invest in educating yourself about investments and things of that nature, and, and probably listen to the crotchety old man podcast previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you would have heard about there's some alternative things that you can invest in uh, safely, as well as have some control over it and make a modest amount of income on it. Right. So, um, yeah. So unless you've done that, and buying term and investing the difference nowadays is like, you know, it's like buying term and going to get a lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's so much vol volatility and stuff out there now that, you know, it makes it somewhat challenging. But, hey, you got Bitcoin and stuff like that. So, hey, uh, what better way to, you know, take a risk on some things that could have happen, you know, to have a tremendous return or higher okay. return. So, okay, switching gears, let's talk about a whole life. That's one of the alternatives that you would actually convert it to. So um, what are some of the ups and downs of a uh, whole life? Well, whole, whole life, in my opinion, shows, it shows maturity. Uh, and I use that word uh, sincerely because in the event when you're looking to even purchase a home or you're looking to uh, expand or borrow money or what have you, it shows a sign of maturity because now you have not only a permanent insurance where that if I'm a lender or if I'm someone looking to give you financing or what have you, and I said, you know, you fill out your bank statement and you show your collateral and show your liabilities and your assets. Well, whole life insurance can be used as an asset because, number one, it has accumulated cash value in it, cash value that can be liquidated quickly, you know. And so from that end, it has a, a, a liquidity factor that is very accessible. If you needed some money for an emergency or an opportunity, OK, you can dip into your whole life policy take a loan out against it. Now you're taking money out tax-free and then you can take care or address whatever emergency is it, or it is or take advantage of an opportunity to invest in something. And we can get more into that as far as the utilizations of whole life. But for that reason and for that component of whole life, from my perspective, I look at that as somewhat of an investment. Um, I look at it as an, as an investment that's not tied to any market you know, that insurance is going to be there regardless. As long as you keep paying the payments on that whole life insurance, it's going to stay there. You, the the uh, death benefit is level. Okay. The dividends that are payable are, are predetermined. But more importantly, there's a floor. And most whole life insurance is paid now anywhere from 2 maybe 4%. Now, yeah, that may not be a whole heck of a lot of money. You're not going to get rich buying a whole life insurance, but you won't go broke either. 
Interesting. So you mentioned um, being able to borrow off of the whole life policy. So if you borrow, do you have to pay it back? Well, you should, but you don't have to. Mm. You know, and people take this, and particularly black people, we take it. Well, you you you, you don't have to pay it back, and so we don't. And that's mm. the big. It's like taking a pistol and shooting yourself in the foot. That's mm. the worst thing to do is not mm. pay it back because when you pay it back, not only are you putting your money back to make more interest, but you're paying yourself the interest. Mm. So you're compounding interest. You're making interest on the money in your policy, and you're making money on the on the money that you're putting back into it. Mm -hmm. So yes, I encourage people to pay that money back. That's the way. This came from a book called Infinity Investing. You mm -hmm. know where now you're paying yourself back this month, and you're paying yourself the interest on it. And now mm -hmm. all you can do, and as that continue to grow, you're paying interest. I mean, you're earning interest on top of interest. That's compounded interest all day. And you got the death benefit just that ensures that whole portfolio. Mm -hmm. You can see readily where we go with this, George, that in a matter of five, 10, maybe 15 years with that type of accumulation, you can invest in other things, buy companies, do whatever. Or you can just leave it for your right. kids. Uh, you kind of touched on that infinity um, banking. But before we get into that, let's talk about my favorite type of insurance. It's the variable life. And the reason I say it's my favorite, because it basically introduced me into the world of investing and uh, uh, building wealth, building income, because I, I, uh, I my brother sold me a policy probably when I was about 21, 22 years old. My first job, I didn't know what the heck I was buying, but it uh, it just paid for itself many, many times and allowed myself to, like I say, borrow money from it to see the growth of it uh, and then I'm able to use it. Uh, even up to this, this day. So let's talk a little bit about uh, variable or what you might call universal life. Absolutely. Uh, because of his tutelage and mentorship, I became somewhat of an expert with variable life insurance in terms of the many uh, utilizations of it. Uh, and number one, first and foremost, of course, we know the insurance is there. But like you said, it's a great introduction to investing. Because now, usually the only reason that you diversify your investments anyway, because you don't know what you're doing. I mean, so it spreads out the risk. Once you identify what works for you, you know what you like, you know what you're most comfortable with and you're most profitable with, then you get rid of a diversification. And you do like Warren Buffett and the uh, the, the experts in this game called finance. And then you follow, you put all that eggs in one basket and you wash the heck out of that basket. But until you get to that point in your investment career, universal or variable life is by far the number one investment or life insurance that one should get. And here's why. The insurance that's the premium that goes toward insurance is based on what they call a PS58 table. And that is very, very minuscule. It's almost like the same cost of a term insurance, but it's a permanent type life insurance. But here's the variability of it. You don't, you're not locked into a fixed premium. One month you can put $100 a month into it. Next month you put 50 Another month, hey, you may want to put $250 into it. Next month, you may want to put another uh, $100. Or, or matter of fact, some months you can skip any some payments as you get on to it. I don't advise that. But my point is, is that just like it's variable, you can take what's known as dollar cost averaging. And as we've explained, again, in some previous episodes, <clears throat> what dollar cost averaging is, and that is every time you put uh, pay a premium for the insurance premium, you're buying stocks. Some of you buying at a low margin. Some of you buying a little higher, but it all averages out and you end up making more, even more money. 
And so now you have an opportunity best upon, based upon your, your, your knowledge and your goal. You can either put some of your premium in an aggressive account. You can put some in a, a, a little less aggressive account. You can put some in a core account or you can put some in a guaranteed account. And again, you got all that diversification there. Puts your and puts the odds in your favor of winning this game called you know investing. And so, like yourself, George, I'm a strong proponent of variable uh, life insurance. So let's talk about um, sizing. We've talked about three different types of programs: term, whole life, and then variable. And I'll clump that with universal. So, how do I know which is best for me? I mean, that's okay. a pretty broad general question, but I mean, that's, I think, is the is the key. You know, what do I really need? Well, let's take a look at it now. Uh, there's this book called, uh, um, I think it was Acres of Diamonds. I remember that book, yeah. Talk about. Yeah, and so you're going to be glad. Insurance is like this. You need to get as much of it as you can afford right now, particularly if you're on 35 or under. Matter of, yeah, 35, but I said get as much as you possibly can afford right now because of your insurability. Life is not guaranteed, and more importantly, our health is not guaranteed. And particularly when we're younger, we think we're going to live forever. We have all this energy, da, 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 we're reckless, <laughs> and we do all these sort of things. And But it's cheaper. Life insurance is cheapest when you're young. And so... Just as soon as the birth certificate, all you have to do is be six months old. Parents, I'm talking to y'all now, grandparents. You know, if you want the best, one of the, the most precious gifts that you can give to a newborn child is a life insurance policy. That policy, that child, 18 years, 20 years go by, and you put particularly a variable policy where you can vary the amount of premiums that you put into it. You know, there's some grandparents out there that play the numbers, hit a lottery, or, or you know, work a second job, what have you. But if you can put some money into this child, by the time that child, he or she is 18, 19, whatever years old, getting ready to go to college. Okay, yeah, we're all our children, they look for scholarships and stuff like this, but here's a scholarship right there. Okay, you can accumulate and be self-sufficient and self-fund a scholarship, a part of that. So that's one of the most salient things when I look at the variable insurance and from the investment perspective, that um, it's all age dependent. Um, over 35, say 35 to your working age, to before retirement, then I would say highly, highly uh, recommend is being converting some of that term insurance that you may have bought when you were younger because you had a family growing and you maybe needed that two or $300,000, I mean, a million dollars. First of all, I advise families to get million-dollar policies, okay, because it's time off for black people passing, passing along burial money. Those days are gone, all right? You need to get these bigger policies, y'all. So that the next generation will have something to stand upon and, and, and a start rather than from always start from scratch. All right, that's another podcast. But in wrapping up here on, on your question, George, the more the older we get, of course, our longevity changes, our health changes. So that's the importance of locking in that uh, um, insurability early on. Because even if you find out that, let's say, finish, you got uh, diabetes type 2. There's younger people getting this diabetes uh, a lot sooner nowadays than it used to be when we were young. Okay. So your health condition can change just like, well, that diabetes part, type 2 could change your rating and cost you more premium dollars to go more toward insurance than again toward investment. But if you've got this term already and you convert some of that term short, based upon what your affordability to whole life, 
whether you've got type 2 diabetes or not, you have to, they must give you that insurance. And that's big. Okay. So your cumulative years, like your working years, you got that whole life insurance. Now you got a nest egg. Uh, a lot of people work for somebody else for you know, most of their careers. Nothing wrong with that. But all of us have a dream of someday either owning our own business or doing investing in real estate or what have you. Here's your nest egg. Here's your seed money. You don't have to go to a bank because most banks are not going to loan you any money if you're new to the game or you don't have any collateral or whatever. So here it is. They'll loan you money after you get it. <laughs> but here's your, your money, your nest egg in your, in your life insurance policy. Last but certainly not least, from a retirement perspective, when we're old like ourselves, we want to leave stuff to our grandkids. We want to leave into the most tax advantaged way. Life insurance is one of the most tax advantaged way of leaving uh, state uh, inheritances and stuff to our loved ones. So there are the three stages, zero to 35, term insurance, 35 to 65, whole life or variable, depending upon your situation there. And then from 65 on to your golden years, man, you're using that money um, either for your grandkids or, or dream and vacation or whatever. Mm -hmm. Good. All right. Well, so let's let's uh, sum all this up. One of the things that people talk about and you kind of hit upon it was um, borrowing against the policy. Um, some people call it, inf is it infinite banking. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, let me ask you this question. In your opinion, this is just an opinion of Crotchet Domain. Is it a, is it a um, scam? Is the idea of infinity banking a scam or life insurance? Mm -hmm. No, infinity banking. Oh, absolutely not. I don't see how anyone even come up with that ideology. No, I mean, you know, I don't see No, <laughs> not my. Right. I didn't either. I just want to. That's one of the uh, things I've heard. I just wanted to yeah. clear that up for our audience just to make sure. <laughs> Um, but I think one of the things that we here goes back to uh, purposeful investing and purposeful borrowing. Uh, it's a program that's out there. It's based on your accumulations and and any borrowing that you do is based on your need. It's not just something you just, you know, handle wholeheartedly. So, yeah, it, it takes a lot of discipline to do things like this. A quick example, you know, a deal was brought to me by another uh, investment uh, friend of mine. This lady has been owns a daycare center. She rents a daycare center. No, she rents a she's a nurse, something like that. So she rents this she's a nurse practitioner, and she rents this space out in this building. And uh, the owner is ready to sell the building. This lady's been here for ten years, so she's been very successful, very profitable there. And so he wants to sell the building in the next sixty or ninety days, or whatever. And so um, traditional lending would not would, would preclude her from being able to buy this property because may have a little challenge there in the credit report you know because of the pandemic you know may have missed a payment or two there stuff happens right so but she only needs about one hundred fifty thousand dollars to put with what she has to go ahead and buy the building well here's a good opportunity for someone let's say if you got a hundred thousand dollars or what have you in a life insurance policy that's accumulated that insurance policy, let's say, is, for instance, paying you 2% and it charges you 4% to borrow it out of your policy. Okay, stick with me. So the 4%, it only costs you 4% to take this money out of your insurance policy. But you loan it to this lady and charge her 10% because she can't get money from a bank right now. Now, once she's able to get it from the bank, she can pay less in interest. But right now, it's not about the cost of money. It's about access of money that this lady really needs right now. So you loan her this money for 10%. So what's your basis of getting that money back? The collateral is the property that she's buying. 
So just like a bank, you're first in the first lien position. So she can't do anything with that property without paying you off first. And if, if she can't pay you, you foreclose and you sell the property. Property's located in a good area. She's been there for a while. So chances are she's not going to, that's her livelihood. So you loan this money to this lady and this lady pays you back. Let's say you give her what, six months to do it. She's able to do it in 90 days. 10% is what you're charging for that 100,000. You just made $10,000 in interest, plus she gave you $100,000 back. You put your $100,000 back into your insurance policy. And what did you just make? You paid 4% to yourself because you put it back. So you just earned 4% and you made an extra 10% on that same $100,000. You tell me, does that sound like a scam to you? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so I mean, that's that that's something that we need to be more um, open to, because here again, we're becoming our own banker yes. by doing this, using funds that we've accumulated over a number of years. And I assume, you know, you could like you said, you can still borrow that money to to do something other than invest and buy yourself a car or put a down on a house or whatever, as long as you pay it back, which seems to be the key. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, you can continue to do it if you pay it back. And now. If you don't spend that ten thousand in interest you just made, you loan that out too. Now you loan out one hundred and ten. So now you're on a roll. Mm -hmm. Now you're on a roll. You find somebody mm -hmm. to do that for every, hey, four times a year. That's a forty percent return, and mm -hmm. you're in control of the terms. You're in control of the conditions. You're in control of the property. We can talk more about that on other episodes, but I think it's something yeah. that we should open up to our audience and listeners and and explore those possibilities because they're out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, great. Um, here again, a reminder, you've been listening to the Crotchety Old Man podcast. Um, another great subject talking about life insurance. Continue to tune in, continue to download uh, the different episodes. We're now in the season two. Uh, so, you know, we're going to continue to bring you information, education, kind of ex expose you to different things financially wise. So continue to watch it. You can download us on Google, iHeart. And like I said, wherever you get your favorite podcast from. So, Gary, in closing, you got anything for our audience? Well, absolutely. And here we go. I just had it in front of me, but here's the, you know, I'm a real estate guy. And so when I look at real estate, as far as I'm concerned, real estate is the best investment, right? So here's the quote from Gary L. Smith. The best real estate investment you will ever make is the real estate between your ears. There you go. Knowledge. You go. Knowledge is power. And now you know. Now you know. Peace. Peace.